I am your co-host Mel, and um, your host Jay is here, and we have a special guest. Uh, Darius, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us something about you. All right, so absolutely. Uh, again, my name is Darius Barthel. Um, I'm a native of High Point, North Carolina. I got into mental health uh, maybe about 13 years ago, um, so it's definitely been a journey. Um, for me, uh, this wasn't always something that I kind of seen myself kind of doing. So naturally, I went off to college uh, on an athletic scholarship. So I played uh, football, um, went to uh, Lenore Ryan University where um, I was a middle linebacker there for, for several years. Um, graduated ultimately with a, a degree in business management and marketing. Um, so I ultimately knew like I always wanted to have my own business. Um, but along that journey, um, I would come back to High Point to kind of visit holidays and things like that. And I just kind of, you know, seen some of the issues going on within the city. And so something just kind of sparked my interest in wanting to help people and uh, give back to people. So ultimately, um, once I finished uh, undergrad, I came back with, with, with that plan um, in mind um, and started a nonprofit organization where I was doing sports camp, leadership programs, um, and just really mentoring young men uh, and also doing some community service things where I was feeding the homeless and doing things like that. So it was ultimately just really giving back. And then along that journey, as I was working in the, the mental health field and doing that, um, kind of realized that I needed to kind of pursue um, higher education and uh, getting credentials behind my name in order to, to do some you know, things that I wanted to do. Um, and so I went, um, went back to achieve my master's um, in human service counseling and then achieved another master's in professional counseling. That's dope. First of all, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like that's dope. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm, I'm actually credentialed as a, a licensed clinical mental health counselor um, here in the state of North Carolina, um, a.k.a. licensed therapist. And, um, and so, you know. That's just, you know, a little bit about me and, and how I, you know, got into this this role. After you went and uh, pursued the, the business, you, you pursued mental health and then you went, uh, you know, uh, degree in counseling, master's in counseling. So what is the difference between a counseling credential and uh, credentials as a therapist? In order to be considered a therapist, um, you, ha you have to be, be licensed. And so that that's a, a process in itself. Um, you know, you can have like your typical YMCA counselor. That person can be considered a counselor, but they ultimately can't do therapy um, because they don't have the credentials, you know, to, okay. to do that. So that that would be, I guess, an easier way to explain, you know, the difference between a counselor and a therapist would, would ultimately have to do with education and, and things like. That. OK. And then on a day to day basis, like what type of people do you help? You know, who, who, who are your clients and, you know, what what are you geared toward as far as therapy? Uh, so for me, um, currently I'm, I'm doing an enhanced service uh, for the state of North Carolina where we work with uh, children and adolescents and their families. So we actually go into the homes and provide this therapy service. Um, so the, the kid will be the identified client, but you still work with that entire family as a whole because, you know, I can 
instill all these and teach all these different skills to this kid. But ultimately, like he still has to be within that home. And so you ultimately like try to work with the entire family to address these issues. Um, right. And I can imagine that it's like very satisfying to do, but I can also imagine it's kind of taxing to to see your people in such need of, of, of that. But um, it kind of explain uh, the thought process when you go into a situation and you see the entire needs of your services, but also that uh, that satisfaction that you get after the fact when you see a finished product and you see that you actually help that family. Explain some of that. So for for me, man, um, when I'm going into these homes, I'm I ultimately like I'm I'm going in there just as myself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the therapist role, but it's it's me being empathetic. It's me being genuine. Is me coming from a place where, like, I, I kind of understand these some of these struggles, um, because you know um, we talked about background a little bit, but you know I, I grew up in a, a single parent household um, where we didn't have much money, and so there there were things that I can definitely relate to it when I see these clients. Um, so yeah, like that that's I just go in there just open with an open mind and, and not of of a place where. I'm judging them or, or anything like that. So naturally it's just really establishing rapport and um, letting them know that they're not going to be judged. And um, usually it, it usually goes well from, from that point. What What's the most common um, issues that you see uh, in, in black communities that, that you deal with? So when it comes to, to the kids um, and, and adolescents, um, you have a lot of like um, ADHD, which is something that has been overdiagnosed, um, but ADHD, conduct disorder, um, oppositional defiant disorder, um, depression. And then over the last couple of years, like I've been seeing more um, with the, the PTSD diagnosis. Um, and so, mm. yeah, so those are those are a lot of the things um that you you that I see um, when it comes to our community, and as it relates to the kids and adolescents. Before I get to the PTSD, let me start from something you said at the beginning when you said that uh, ADHD was overdiagnosed. Uh, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I want you, you know, for the audience, I want you to expound a little bit on that. And then, can you end it with, um, I guess, uh, elaborating on the PTSD situation? Um, it, you know, how do you think it's affecting more people in our community than we know of? Uh, and if so, uh, how does it uh, rear itself? How, how, how does it, you know, how do you identify that in a, in a, in a child and what causes it? But, yeah, but, but start with the overdiagnosis of the HDA and then the PTSD, I guess, on the contrast is underdiagnosed. So certainly uh, when it comes to ADHD, I think a lot of, kids are are given that diagnosis to kind of explain you know the behaviors that that are being presented um so yeah you you would see a kid i guess maybe in in school um that that would get that label but that honestly that that kid could just be extremely active you know the the structure within the home um can play a role in that as well um but when those things are kind of presented to a person, then these kids are ultimately like overdiagnosed with ADHD and, and, and it may not be ADHD. Um, so there are different things you, uh, people can do 
um, in terms of getting accurate diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then for the PTS piece, uh, expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, it was surprising to me, honestly, man. Um, like I said, like over probably the last five or six years, I've started to see more kids diagnosed with that that PTSD um, diagnosis. Um, and prior to that, like you, you more so kind of looked at PTSD as maybe, you know, uh, somebody that had like a, a traumatic event happen. So military, um, you know, rape victims, you know, sexual assaults, those type things. Um, but uh, when it comes to PTSD, it could, it could definitely be a wide range of traumatic events and you ultimately don't have to necessarily experience it, you know, for yourself. You could just kind of witness it. And so when we talk about the African-American community and um, socioeconomic statuses and things like that, so lower income neighborhoods, these kids are, you know, exposed to violence. You, you know, you're hearing the gunshots, um, different things. Um, so this is I think this is why now um, I'm starting to see that that PTSD diagnosis within those kids that come from those areas. Right. And and it's funny you mentioned military because, you know, uh, the, the things like you just said, you know, rape victims, people uh, that, that, you know, uh, witness uh, murders or shootings or, you know, they see something, you know, uh, you know, kind of kind of grotesque or whatever uh it's a lot of things that you can visually see or experience or witness or go through in the military that automatically yeah this person's going to have some ptsd from it the flip side of that is you grow up that's a grown-up in the military but you grow up as a child as an adolescent you see all of these things on a day-to-day basis like you know the neighborhood i was in you walking around you at the bus stop you see crackheads walking around like zombies you see uh, fights. We've seen murder up close. We've seen somebody get shot right in his in, in his head. We've seen it up close. Uh, we we've lost loved ones. Absolutely. Uh, we we you know we had friends who uh, was with our friend who got shot and actually seen him die in his arms. Uh, we you know we got parents that's uh, that's heavily on drugs. You, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So many things. We, you know, we got we got uh, uh, a friend of mine whose little brother who was like I think 13 hung himself like. We're seeing things in our in our situations when we were growing up in these uh, sh- uh, poverty-stricken neighborhoods that would tear a grown-up down. Absolutely. And then and then we're just we're just taking it in strides and taking all those all that baggage into our adult life and just don't understand why it's affecting us in certain ways, you know. Uh, and we don't know that it's linked to PTSD. Absolutely. And no one would give it no one would give it the attention on the clinical level that, you know, these people are dealing with some, like we're dealing with some stuff. Nobody's giving us that type of attention at all. Absolutely. What do you you say to that? So one of of the things I I would say to that is um, people don't really understand um, what it's like to, to come from those environments. And so you, when you get, I guess, a person like me who, who has witnessed and, and come from that environment, that when I do meet one of those kids or come across one of those clients, I'm able to kind of see that it could potentially be the, the PTSD because of those things that you just talked about. Um, but someone who who's never experienced that, who's, you know, never 
witnessed or anyone close to them has, has been murdered or, you know, a, a, a friend of a friend, brother, you know, did these things to himself, like they 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 wouldn't understand. They wouldn't know to, to start to, to look for that. Um, and so for, for myself, like I think um, my background has has helped me a lot to kind of identify some of these things and be able to explore those things when I feel like oh, there may be PTSD, then I can look a little further before, you know, giving it that, that label, but at least explore um, right. those things with that person. I'm going to say this one last thing, and I want both of y'all to comment on it, but I think it's really important that we have not only um, uh, people of color in these in these uh, uh, job roles that you're in dealing with mental health and being, you know, and dealing with uh, therapy. I think it's good that we have uh, not only people of color, but people who actually come from these type of backgrounds where they can, I'm not even saying be sympathetic, but at least understand what some of their clients are going through. And I think before when it was, you know, it's probably still predominantly white and it's probably still predominantly female. Uh, they don't understand it that way. And uh, they could miss the mark on, uh, you know, the signs that are being shown. So I, 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 I commend you on even taking this uh, career path. Uh, and um, I just want both of y'all to comment on it. Like, do you think, uh, 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 you know, our white counterparts just d can't understand certain things? And that's why we're not getting the type of attention when it comes to these matters uh, in the past. Uh, you think it's just because they can't? understand it i kind of think that it's a lack of understanding and uh it's so it's so like foreign I, I i had a guy man that uh who went to iraq and he was like you know that's when he realized that his upbringing was a war zone you know for a lack of better term you know what i'm saying like everything that they had to deal with over there with the exception of landmines and bums like it's the same stuff as famine you know what I mean mm -hmm. so the, the the I don't think that the like the story from that environment is told on a on a large enough sta a scale to get people to listen to it so you know is there a lack of understanding yet but like I think there's some people from some parts of Greensboro High Point or whatever who would be amazed what's right here in this city. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't go over there, so if I don't see it, it doesn't happen. All right. Yeah, for myself, man, I I, I, I would definitely say that, that understanding piece, um, sometimes those things just have to be experienced in order to really kind of understand and, and really truly um, get it. And so for, for those other clinicians, um, I wouldn't say that they could never understand it, um, but they have to definitely have the the openness um, and to it, um, if that if that makes sense to you. That, that makes sense. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta wanna understand it. You can't be closed minded. I right. Get that. I want to kind of switch lanes a little bit, but stay right in the same vein, if that makes sense. Um, so we're talking about this a, a kid who has witnessed these traumatic things. Now we're gonna we're gonna make this kid a male because that's kind of what we're talking about, and now this male has progressed through life. Mm -hmm. Now all through this life, we we're hearing people tell him, "Hey, man up, man up." 
you know, so he wants to tell somebody about this pain or fear or whatever. Uh, you can't show emotions. Like, like speak to how that may affect someone, you know, throughout their life. So definitely, like, um, being unable to express emotions will definitely uh, play a huge part in, in many relationships and many aspects of your life. Um, and so for guys, yeah, we're, we're taught to man up and um, not really tap into certain emotions, maybe anger, um, fear here and there. But for the most part, you know, there's a ton of emotions um, and and men never really tap into those things but um being able to express emotions is definitely definitely um critical aspect of of being a man as well um and and just as you go through life in general so for me that that's one of the things i really focus on um whenever i'm working with clients we we do a lot of feeling identifications um things to to uh, attach emotions to to how you know you're you're feeling. Um, so yeah, definitely that that that's a that's a big thing. And it's kind of it's kind of you know strange. Like like we was telling you, me, me and him grew up together, and we have this group of friends. And within the group, some of us will talk. You know what I mean, and have an outlet. But what I've seen in my own self, like a lot of people not friends with the guys they grew up with still. So to to have we're, we're fortunate and blessed to have an outlet to, okay, here's some somebody that looks like me, thinks like me, who may have experienced some of these things that I've experienced. So maybe he can guide me and why am I feeling this way or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of how this this whole podcast was birthed. Uh, we were talking, uh, we were doing another show and we were talking and then the kind of relief that I felt like, because... I, I tell people all the time, man, uh, it is hard being a black man. Absolutely. It is probably harder being a husband than being a black man. Like, <laughs> like that's probably the hardest hack that I have. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so, but but you still want to try to navigate everything and, and, and try to be a person of integrity or, 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 or just be a decent, just a decent person. But like, you know, you, you kind of tapped into it, man, like, you're as a man. I feel like I'm allowed. I'm allowed to feel anger, not too much fear, right. because then you're weak. Right. But 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 like if a lion come walking down the street, right. we, can, <laughs> we can run. It's cool. You know what I mean. And um, that's that's almost it. Like you're you're not really allowed to be sad. Uh, like could you imagine like going to your your mother, your wife, or anything and say, "Hey, you hurt my feelings." Like the the reception is is like. Like, she may look at you and say, man up. You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, and so the question that I have from all that is, like, how important is it to have a, a, a outlet to get these emotions off so that you're not, like, in turmoil with yourself? Um, certainly, yeah. Uh, definitely having that outlet to be able to express those emotions is uh, very important. So for myself... Um, I do a lot of journaling. Like I'll, you know, in between seeing people, I'll just pull up at the park, pull out my journal, write, you know, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, about anything specific, but just kind of getting my thoughts out, um, giving me that outlet, um, that space where I can kind of just 
be vulnerable, um, which that that takes steps in itself to to get to that place. Um, but yeah, certainly yeah, having outlets to be able to express yourself um, is is very 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 important um, in terms of being able to um, tap into you know the different emotions and being able to address some of these things within. How important is the selection process in 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 that? Because I mean you know. There's some people like you, like, hey man, you know, I, this is how I feel, and they're gonna give you the worst possible advice. You know what I mean? And I guess like, so coming from a background where you can't give bad advice, like you know what I'm saying? Like you could be held, you know, uh, liable, I guess, for bad therapy or whatnot. Like, how does that? Uh, how does that selection process? How should that selection process look to a person that doesn't have? Uh, access to like a licensed therapist. So certainly, uh, so so one thing to clear up when whenever we're dealing with with therapy, um, your therapist shouldn't be giving you advice. What we do, we we give feedback, we make suggestions, because um, ultimately, like you said, like we could be held liable. So if I told you, you know, yo John, you know, you go do this, you know, you you gonna feel better. You, you go do it and, and don't feel it. Man, Darius told me. To go do this, now you gonna blame me, you know? Right, right, right. So uh, that's why we don't we don't give advice, you know. Ultimately, like um, clients have that that power to to make their own decisions. So we make suggestions, we explore those, you know. We go through those things with with clients. Um, so ultimately, like they have that autonomy to make their own decision, and so you don't have to worry about oh, my my therapist gave me that advice, right, right, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, like when you're trying to, to figure out, then you just have to figure out what, what's helpful for you. Um, you know, the fact that our journal may not help you, you know, um, it may not be something that you like, but your, your thing may be going for a walk. Your, your thing may be looking at videos on YouTube, like, you know, but whatever it is, like you definitely can, can find an outlet. You don't necessarily have to, um, get that advice from, from somebody who's just really that understanding of self. And really, uh, really exploring and doing that 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 self self exploring, um, I would say. That's that's dope, man. Now, so now I got to address the elephant in the room. Do you have? Do you ever run into your friends trying to get free sessions and post? <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. How's that the elephant in the room? <laughs> How's that the elephant, man? Because I was, I, while he was stuck, I was like, man, I need to uh, make this guy my friend so I can quit paying this lady every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was my elephant, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, honestly, oh, okay. um, I would say, honestly, nah, they, they hadn't, it hadn't came across as they're trying to get free therapy, but I've always been like a really good listener. Yeah. And I've always kind of been in tune with, with people and people that I interact with. So, like, before I even came into this role, like, I had no idea that I would be a therapist, but I was always there and supportive of, you know, my friends um, and, and my family. So they would come to me and and talk. And as I kind of moved forward to, to get to this point, um, that was some of the things that I was doing when I was look, just kind of looking back, like, yo, that, that's maybe why everybody would, would come talk to me about things because – like, I, I was just naturally a, a good listener. You know, I wouldn't judge people. You know, I 
if I gave them any feedback or suggestions, like it was just me coming from a place of just kind of exploring with them versus me trying to tell them what to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so like, you know, all my teammates and, and things like that, like I was like that that go-to person that they would come and talk to. So I wouldn't say like is they coming for the free advice, but I will say now I think maybe uh, in certain certain aspects people may think I'm like analyzing them, but – you know that that's that's not the case, man. <laughs> are you are you analyzing us right now? I'm not. I'm I'm listening to you, brothers. That's it. <laughs> All right. So, so let's say you're in a disagreement with your wife, which I met today. Mm-hmm. The like, do does she ever be like, now nah, don't go on that therapy trip with me? Uh, <laughs> because as hard as it is to be a black man, it is really really hard to make black women happy. Like, so, <laughs> I already know the answer to that question. Look, I already know the answer to that question. I'm, I'm not one of your clients. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm not getting, you know, I already know. I already know how how, how women are, man. They'll, they'll tell you real quick, I ain't your client. Yeah, she she, she she will do that. Um, and because, you know, we've been together so long, like she she understands and, and, and see exactly, you know, kind of what I'm, what I'm doing to her. Right, right. Um, but yeah, yeah, she mm-hmm. she does do that. Don't don't do that therapy stuff on me. But honestly, man, like there <laughs> there are things that you know we do do as husband and wife that that I will use in in those sessions. But that's just to really foster that communication. And so it's me tapping mm-hmm. into you know how are you feeling type thing and getting her to explore and touch on different you know emotions. Um, so yesterday we sat down mm-hmm. for maybe. Um, Know, maybe about 30 minutes just just kind of going through different emotions that she's been kind of feeling over these last couple of months um, and just really talking about them and, and digging into them a little bit and, and exploring. And then, you know, after right. we finish, you like, so how much I owe you for therapy? <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the last couple of months, uh, you know, and people been dealing with a lot, dealing with Amar Barberry and, uh, I mean, uh, Amar Aubrey and, um, and George Floyd and all that stuff. So... Like how 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 would you sit somebody down to kind of de-escalate? Because the emotions are high, like emotions are very high, and you see it on your social media, on your timeline. And I'm in the military, and we're not even supposed to have uh, public opinions like that. Uh, and people are just breaking all types of protocol, and it's bickering and going back and forth. It's it's pretty bad. Like uh, like what's your what's your advice on how to de-escalate? Um, and when you're saying for like uh, an individual, just kind of expressing those feelings and yeah. things, yeah, certainly just uh, giving them that space to just kind of talk um, and, and express, you know, how they feel openly, um, without feeling like you know they're they're being judged by what what they're saying. Um, for me, that that's that's the environment that you create with with your therapy, like. You, you allow your clients to, you know, express themselves. They, they That's what they come there for, to be able to express themselves. So it's not, you know, I'm going to put a filter on a client to in, in regards to what they're, how they're feeling. Uh, I can't say that you're wrong for feeling how you, how you feel because those are your feelings. But we're, we're going to explore those a little bit different. Well, why? Like, you know, what, what triggered that? And so that's what I would, um, create you know it's just giving them that safe space to just openly talk about those things because it has been a lot going on and 
You know, right. not only the, the the pandemic, but then you have, you know, blatant, you know, racism just still mm-hmm. still going on. And um, yeah, so yeah, just definitely creating that that space and that environment for them to openly and freely um, express how they feel. Right. So how do you deal with it? Because you've been a therapist. You, you're the one who's always talking to people and helping them get in a space where they can clear their head and all that stuff so how do you as a therapist clear your head so for me like i said um the the journaling um shooting ball working out um spending time with my kids limiting social media things the news um in the past like you know i I would watch the news because i like to stay current on things but you know i've just been limiting those things um same with with social media um just kind of setting boundaries around what I'm kind of intaking. Um, right. And just, you know, ultimately, man, just, you know, controlling the things that I can actually control in front of me. For me, this is this is why I get some free advice from you. So uh, the brother, the brother, you know, like I told you before we started recording, um, I'm, I'm, I'm about to um, try to follow in your footsteps. I want to be a therapist, right? What path or you know i know it's more than one path but like you know i'm i'm taking a psychology route so i want to study psychology and then once i finish with that then i want to be a licensed therapist uh what you know what advice could you give me so certainly um i mean this journey has definitely man um been one where for myself like a lot of people had to kind of sacrifice things um, because it, it's it's very time consuming. Um, when you're talking about like grad school, I mean, there's a lot of reading, a lot of papers. There's you know times where you know I can't go to this family event because I got papers and and things like that. So I had to make those choices. Um, but ultimately, it's definitely something that can be done. It's just you prioritizing um, those things that are important to you and just kind of setting aside, you know, the, the time to, you know, take care of your studies. Um, but certainly, yeah, right. like, that that's it's definitely something that could be be done. I'm going to call you, man. I'm, 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 I'm going to call you. <laughs> hit hit me up, man. Oh, no, nah, man. He's uh, <laughs> a very responsive, man. Um, so I had reached out to um, Jamie, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I was telling I wanted to interview her for, for her insight just because before – so the goal is like to kind of get like the the thought process of the average black male and all that, and then start having some panels, just sit three or four guys around the table, and, and let's talk. Let let's let's go through this thing. Like you know, let's let's help each other. Let's listen to each other. Let's learn from each other. Right. And the, and the expected outcome is for us to realize that our stories aren't really unique to our to to ourselves, but we share a lot of in common. Absolutely. <clears throat> so she's like, she sends me a screenshot. Boom. She was like, hey, th- this is a therapist. Like he would uh, <laughs> probably be better to interview. So in the screenshot, I I, I don't remember verbatim, but you were speaking about uh, listening to Jeezy or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I I think that, <laughs> like that's the, that's the balance right there. You know, right. like I, I'm here to help, but, I need my I need my own Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So how is it for how do you not take on 
like these other problems. And I know, like, even with me and group homes, and we've uh, went in and, uh, you know, did a home visit, like tr- letting the client go home or whatever. You see some of the living conditions, and like, it's hard for it to not wear on your heart. Absolutely. Or when it's Christmas and this is the only guy that doesn't have a family to go to or whatever. Absolutely. But how do you not combine your own issues and, and take on theirs as well? Like, how does that, how do you keep them separate? Right. So certainly, man, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a lot of prayer, self-care, um, really setting boundaries um, for myself when it comes to those things. Um because you definitely hear and and see a, a, a lot of a lot of things um, that you 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 just wouldn't expect to be kind of going on, and and then you see it firsthand, and you're there to you know work with these people, and um, it definitely it touches on your heart. Um, but if if I'm not well, then I I can't be of any service to my clients. And so I definitely have to, you know, create those boundaries for myself and make sure that I'm taking care of me um, in order to to help, you know, others. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nothing magical that I that I really do It's just really uh, setting that boundary um, for my, for myself when it comes to those things. Man, that's powerful. You said if I'm not well, then I can't help my client. And, and that's 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 real. And <clears throat> I, I was saying something similar to that the other day to my wife like she wanted to I was dealing with some uh, emotional stuff and it's uh you know heavy and she was like well we can we can deal with it together and I'm like I can't yet like I, I have to I have to go through the process to get to a place where I can reach out you know Absolutely. because too often and 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 this is just me now you know I'll, I'll have a problem and I'll run from it and I'll tuck it in the back. I, it's, it's in the back. So avoidance. Yeah. And, and so I just recently realized, man, you can't outrun anything. And, and and just because you put it away don't mean it go away. Absolutely. Because it'll come up in your dreams. It'll come up in Absolutely. your health. It'll come up, you know, just it's it's, good, it's still there. Absolutely. And so with, with this whole uh, COVID-19 thing and the world moving at almost half speed, like what you gonna run to now? You like you can't keep yourself busy because everything's closed. Everything's Absolutely. closing early, so so now you have to have that one on one meeting with the person in the mirror. Absolutely, and you know that it kind of stuff started hitting like bricks, and there was some big stuff, there was some heavy stuff, and then there was some little things like, oh yeah, that did affect me, you know, because sometimes and it could be something that's just like a joke or whatever, and you just like. You laughed it off at the time, and then, like, now you sit like, such and such said I had ashy elbows, so every day before you go out, right, you, right. you, you, you double up on the on the Vaseline right. on, the, on the elbows, right. and, and, like, little stuff like that, I'm, I'm just, and I guess because I'm getting closer to 40, like, I, like I'm now, like, trying to deal with emotions, because I've spent, really, my whole life not having emotions. Like, okay. well, having them, but right. not having an outlet for them or not even wanting to. So when someone, I, and I said on episode one uh, that the biggest lie that I tell all the time is uh, when someone say, how you doing? I say, I'm fine. And I'm not. And I haven't been for a long time. But the goal is to get there. Right, right. I, I, I just think, man, too often, like I, I say it all the time, it's so hard being a black man. But 
it was hard being black kids. Absolutely. It, 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 Absolutely. It, it, it was hard, man. And we didn't even, we didn't know enough to know that it was hard. You know what I'm saying? Because your neighbor's neighbor story looked just like yours. You're like, this is how people live. Right. But, you know, you go to the other uh, area, zip code, you go to the other zip code, and you're like, they got, they got their own pool? Now, we had to walk to the rec center. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? And sneak somebody in it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, I, I think little things like that still, like, they're still there. They're like, we, we haven't dealt with it. So, ultimately, man, can you speak to the state of mental health within the black community, especially the black male? So when it comes to mental health, um, there's totally that, that stigma there. Um, and I, I hear it all the time, which makes me cringe. Like, you know, I tell somebody like, you know, what I do and it's like, oh, you work with crazy people. And, and that's, that's a stigma in itself. Like therapy isn't just for people who are struggling with, with these deeper issues. Like you have people that, you know, uh, just going to the next phase of, of their life and want to kind of sort out some things. You may have some people that, that are dealing with some financial things and they need somebody to just kind of talk to talk to them about it. So it's, it's not always this, this this stigma that that's attached to it that, you know, everybody's crazy. You know, that 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 just makes me cringe when I hear that. Um, oh, for sure. But as far as black men, um it's 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 good to see platforms like this where you got brothers on here and and openly talking about different things. Um, whether it's you guys talking about sports, you guys are talking, mm-hmm. um, and so that that creates you know dialogue to kind of express how 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 you feel. Your wife might not want to talk about sports, so you got somebody else that you can talk 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 to about about sports. Um, yeah, um, but I, I think. Um, over these last couple of years, you're starting to see more people talk about mental health, and it's not that you know it's, it's becoming okay to to talk about these things. It's, it's becoming okay to to see a therapist, um, and so for for black men, I, I encourage that. That's one of my goals is to address that stigma and to encourage more black men to utilize therapy services. Um, yeah, those, you know, a lot of us. Um, have that that childhood stuff that that's never been dealt with and so a lot of the behaviors that you see from from grown men like are are just behaviors that you know you was like child but those things never been addressed like they're still stuck in that place where they they never learned how to kind of address things or their their environment or family structure just never um instill certain things um in in those individuals um so there's certainly like I, I i would like to see more men you know utilize counseling services um just just moving forward well i got a question that's uh off or whatever but i was thinking back to uh when we was doing the cheat code this would have been some good insight too but uh one of one of the things that uh a guy who's uh a reformed cheater was talking about like that like it was like a cry for help like validation within himself so i guess my question is you know uh and you were talking about the childish behaviors or whatever so these these cries or validation things or whatever they can manifest in so many different ways absolutely so even the people that you know use that stigma oh that's that's what crazy people like you you might be obsessive about collecting whatever, 
because of something that is tied to back in your childhood Absolutely. or whatnot. So I, 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 I think that instead of having a neg- negative stigma or whatever, like look for your why. Well, why am I like this? Why do I do this? When did I start this? Whatever, and and then it'll it'll usually tie back to something that happened either positively or negatively. Absolutely. And I think we have to be we have to realize the effect, whether uh, meaningful or or inadvertently, that we have on other people, our our wives, our children, uh, co-workers, whatever. So recently, I just figured out about myself. Um, uh, my inability to sympathize and cry like I used to or like I wanted to. Like, you know, um, I don't cry when death happens that often in my family. And I, I, I had to go through a soul search to figure out why. So what I've come up with and what I think it is, is uh, I've been overseas in Guam for three years and Japan for three years. So six years I've been away from my family. Within those six years, I've had uh, three very close cousins uh, pass. I had uh, three very close aunts pass, a close uncle uncle pass, um, actually four very close uh, cousins. So I, I had a lot of people pass, and um, I couldn't make the funeral, right? So I think what I did subconsciously uh, somehow I separated myself from the emotion of not being able to be there. And now that I'm back in the States, you know, these things are still happening and I just don't have an emotion tied to it. And I'm like, that's not right. Like I can't, I, you know, I, I don't understand why I'm not able to cry, but I cried when Kobe died, which is very weird. Right. So, um, so I think it's a defense mechanism for me mentally. I didn't do it purposely. I think it was subconscious and I can't, um, uh, either I can't or I don't want to uh, tap back into it for some some odd reason. So I'm, I'm trying to protect myself, I, I guess, right? So my question is, uh, is it harder to get someone to be self-aware of the why a certain behavior exists? Or is it harder to get them to uh, change that behavior once they find out why it exists? I, w- I would probably say those emotions that... Um are being like repressed. So like you, you know, um, don't, you're, you're not aware that that's what you're doing. Um, I would say those are more difficult to, to address versus a person who's aware of, um, that they're actually doing this. Um, like, like you're saying, like, you know, you, you know that you're doing this now is just figuring out like exactly why, um, I think those are easier to deal with because you can help that person explore. Um, you can identify different triggers, but that, that suppression where this person doesn't have any clue that they're even doing this um, is, is more more difficult to to address. Um, and then ultimately, like when when it comes to changing behaviors, you know those things are definitely difficult um, because it takes you know commitment. And a person has to be open and willing and, you know, wanting to make this change. Otherwise, that that change won't happen. Okay. I get what you're saying. What do you, what do you think is a, a a good amount of time to cry? Like, how do you think somebody should cry? I know there's no clinical answer for that, but, like, you know, so, like, so for me, 
I went years without crying. Like, no matter what happened, it was just like, whatever. See you tomorrow. Or I won't. And then um, I would say over the last two weeks, I might have cried ten times. And, and you know what I'm saying? So now it's like, I don't like, okay, dude, it's too much. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to find that balance. But, but, uh, but like, so as you're trying to get in touch with your emotional self, it's it's crazy because now everything makes you emotional. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I was, I, was watching a little, <laughs> I was watching a movie, man, and it had a happy ending. And I was just like, oh. And, and then I'm, I'm like, nah, dude, you know. Right. Man up. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling right. myself, you know, it's, it's, it's like, what's a, what's a good balance in your opinion? Honestly, um, if you feel like crying, cry. You know, like that—that's my thing. There, I don't think like there's too much crying. You know, I—I I don't think um, too little. Like, I, I, there's no—I'm um, gonna say there's no no answer for it. But if if that's how a person is feeling, you know, and and they feel the need to to get it out and express it in that form, then certainly like do it. I, I wouldn't say you know you know cry three times, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put a number on it. Like you're, you're trying to get to that space. And if crying is part of that journey, then that, that's what's part and, of that. And see what's crazy. Like I wouldn't let myself cry like tears of joy or anything. Like it was just like no crying. So, so yeah, now man, it's like, I can't even control it, but, it, but I'm okay. I'm not even trying to, I'm just right. like, you know, I, I kind of like where I'm at, but I also know that the hard work is ahead. You know, identifying, okay, I have some things that I Absolutely. need to work through. That's that's easy almost. I mean, it's difficult in itself. Right. But actually working through these things, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I always, you know, say to my clients, like, there, you know, there are going to be some days where you like me, and then there's some days that you, you just, you won't like me. And that's because, like, a part of this journey, like, we're going to touch on some things. We're going to, but. Part of that is just unpacking those things and being able to move forward. Um, and, you know, that that's as a therapist, if, if I don't challenge you um, or point out certain things then I'm not doing doing my job, my job isn't just there to just listen. Um, it, it's there to also help you and, and, and guide you, you know, as you're you, you go on this journey. Um, and so that requires me to, to, to challenge and, and to point out some of your thought distortions and, and different things like that. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be transparent with you. I'm gonna be real transparent with you. And Mel, you might know the answer to this. Do, do you know the first like the first time that I allowed myself to cry, and it was tears of like joy in front of people. It was this year, and it might not make sense to go, but when Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, like I've been a fan forever. Like, dude. I just still couldn't believe it and to the point that's like like me crying is my screensaver on my phone because because it, it's it's a reminder <laughs> to to allow yourself to feel Absolutely. you know what I'm saying so so like I do little weird stuff to remind myself Absolutely. to do stuff but I mean like I, I was and I was drunk but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean for them to win and they beat my brother team but I'm like dude <laughs> this is like so like I felt like. I was an athlete, and right. you know what I mean. <laughs> but that feeling was was kind of it was still, and 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 Melvin was actually here, and that's when we was working around on doing some podcasting or whatever, and we had recorded a few 
uh, episodes and touched on some deep emotions or whatever. So it, it kind of that kind of opened the gateway. And now that it's open, it's kind of like, well, no, because I don't want to go into my 40s the way that I was in my 30s Absolutely. and 20s or whatever. Like, you're supposed to be getting better. Absolutely. So if I can't heal mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, then I'm, I'm wasting time. So I'm not here to play no more. I'm, Absolutely. Because like, you, can't, you can't trick yourself. Nah. I mean, you might get away with it for a minute. But like I said, it'll show back up. So, yeah, to show back up. Yeah, you're right. To to to, right. to talk about that that tricking yourself. So, uh, and and you mentioned something about it about being in the mirror. But I always got this thing is uh, you can't cheat the man in the mirror because mm-hmm. I can go out here and fake and and do this in front of people. But when I look in that mirror, like I know, you know, whether I'm verbally verbalizing, saying you look in the mirror and you know what's there. You know if you're giving your best effort. You you know like if you if you're doing what you're supposed to do, whether you just verbally say, "Oh, Darius, you you doing wrong," like. That your conscience there understands whether you're giving that that effort or not, and whether you're cheating yourself or not. So yeah, you you definitely right. can't cheat that man in the mirror. And the, and the yeah. sad part, the sad part is uh, this whole George Floyd situation is forcing a whole lot of people to look in the mirror, and and they're realizing that that they have racist thoughts and absolutely. tendencies. Absolutely. And, and they're upset. They're lashing out instead of trying to uh, adjust, correct, and fix. Absolutely. Nah, because it's going to yeah. affect your way of life. And absolutely. I know that wasn't the topic of whatever, absolutely. but nah, man. Absolutely. We definitely got to touch That ain't the only sad part, Jay. The other sad part is that, that uh, it, hey, there is, he knows that I am, I despise fandom. I, I, I just, I look, I, I felt like I'm telling you, I came out of fandom. I was a fan at one point, and I, I was a fan of the Carolina Panthers and the Tar Heels and all that stuff. And when but I you, knew you I was it, you I was knew, a fan of bad clubs. <laughs> okay, what well, I, I knew when fan this is when I knew fandom was like bad for your health. I used to get headaches, migraines when the Panthers lost and watching right. the games and getting so frustrated. I was like, how can 12 men on the field and a coach? And a team that I don't know, I don't know no person on that team. How can I have an emotional tie to it? That is a problem. I think fandom is, it, 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 it forces you never to be objective in anything. So I can't even watch NFL without uh, uh, personally having a stake in it, right? It has to be the Panthers that win, right? That's the, like, how can I enjoy just football? So I had to pull myself out of being a fan of any team in order to, uh, you know, Enjoy it in a healthy way. Absolutely. So when when I see some when, when I see Jay explain, he cried. That's a emotion, you know, from Kansas City winning. So what would have happened if they lost? Then that would have affected your health negatively and we, your emotions negatively. If, I can't allow that no more. If they lose, we riot. No more. But but so so, <laughs> so he he all that sounded real well. All that sounded real good. He's not a fan. He's out of fandom and all that. And I will give him that. About eighty four percent. But if you say anything <laughs> negative about Michael Jeffrey Jordan, so 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 his his fandom is now just tied to one man. Okay, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 that's, not, that's not true, man. That's not true, man. That's not true oh, okay. at all. My, look, look, I like basketball. So uh, who you know, people that play the, the sport uh, in a way that I think is poetry and emotion and it's art and the final parts of the game. Like I, I go into fine detail and how I analyze things. 
So when I analyze a player's playing, uh, it's, it's a lot of people that stick out. You know, Kobe, Michael, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, you know, you know these guys, when you look at the final parts of the game, I appreciate it. So when conversations arise, when, you know, uh, someone say something that I feel like, well, maybe you don't understand it the way that I understand it. I try to explain that. It sounds like fandom, but it's not. It's just appreciating the final points of the game and the the, play, the type of people who play uh, uh, and exploit those final points. And then there's some people that don't, you know, uh, you know, that just rule by force, like Shaq. You know, that's just that's just a lot of physical talent along with some technical skills, but mostly physical. You know, uh, yeah, I appreciate that too, but I appreciate it a little less than those technically sound people. Like when you put when you put uh the the technical um skills of a Floyd Mayweather uh in a body uh that's that's also kind of dominant, you know, and uh elite athletically, that's that's when you get people like Kevin Durant and Michael Jordan and Kobe, you know, or Elijah Wine. When okay. you get someone that's just like George Foreman with a little bit of technical, yeah, it's it's it's, it's totally different. Yeah. So I am like the worst fan. I'm the worst fan. Like I, and 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 it despite like he really doesn't like that at all. Like so in college, I went to Central, okay. and uh, I'm a Duke fan. But if if them boys lost, I ain't going out. We ain't, we ain't going out to party. Ain't no party. Right. And, and I was everybody ride. So was, <laughs> like, ain't no party. But uh, it it was crazy. And this is when I like. Like this year, like during the middle of the season, college basketball is going and uh, college uh, football is going or whatever, and NFL is going. And I, I, I prayed, like literally prayed, and I said, <laughs> I said, God, I've seen five Duke championships in my life. If you let Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl, I won't even want a Duke championship. And I'm a bigger <laughs> Duke fan than I am of anything. And and so then, um. Then Kansas City won, and then I was like, "Well, a Duke championship won't be bad." <laughs> and then COVID came, and, and, and you know, what I'm saying? right? Um, but uh, so look, go ahead. Now that you now, now that you heard me express my feelings about not being a fan, and Jay expressed his feelings over being a fan, give us your critique from a therapist standpoint. <laughs> get, get into the psyche of what fandom. Is and tell it and just give me just give me your opinion. And I'm sure you're a fan of something. I, I am I am a fan of sports. Uh, so for myself, honestly, man, I I'm very selective in how I engage in sports talk with certain people because some people just they take it too serious. So for myself, like I'm I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm an honest Cowboys fan. So I don't just say my team, you know, just gonna do this and that. Um, I, I'm I'm very very you know. Um, wise about how you know I, I express that. Um, like I, I, I defense like that for me. Our secondary has been an issue, and I'm I don't have a problem with pointing that out. So I'm not going to just be like Super Bowl talk. Like that's that's right. just not what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, yeah. We gotta have, we gotta hey, we gotta have you on the man down podcast. <laughs> my, 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 hey, the other, the other host is a diehard cowboy. He's from Texas diehard Cowboys fan to the to the point where he would not admit anything like he like we we talk about that Prescott all the time I can say hey Dak Prescott had a, had a bad game let's just be honest and he would argue that Dak did not have a hit like just because Dak quarterbacks for the Cowboys he will argue to the cows come home 
and and you know for that Prescott man, and that's the kind of fan you saying you're not. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not like you still that. Still like the Cowboys. You got well. You got to come talk to this brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I do, man. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I I like the Cowboys, but I'm 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 very uh I'm I'm very honest about about my team, so I'm not going to be delusional when it comes to those things. Um, but yeah, that, certainly, I mean, sports is just a thing, you know, people can definitely, you know, connect through. Um, and so uh, I don't have a really have a opinion um, about how you guys go about expressing that. I think you, for you, you recognize that this thing was creating, you know, headaches and different things for myself. So I have to set some boundaries around it. And for John, it's, it's you know, his thing. Like, that's what he enjoys. Um, and, yeah. and so like he's he just expressing that. So, I mean, there's no right or wrong, you know, it's just, you know, you choose to, you know, put boundaries around it for yourself. Hey man, so I'm gonna tell you that's what the, what I've noticed. That's the, too. Per, that's the perfect therapist answer. That's the that, that, that's the perfect therapist. That's answer. exactly what I was about to get into. I was gonna say, hey man, listen, this guy's really good. <laughs> He's really good. So, so I'm I'm gonna break him real real quick. Is Dak the answer at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys? When when you say the answer, like would it like be be more specific? It, w- will he take you to the promised land? He could. He could. I mean, you got you got a good supporting cast around him. Now the 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 whole money situation, you know, I, I think is kind of crazy. You know, I that think it's, he it's, wants all the money. I think you know it's asking for you know way too much. But that's just you know my opinion about it. Um, but as, as as far as him being able to take us to the Super Bowl, I think he can because we have other pieces around it. Um, you know, is he top ten? In the league right now, everybody know one is uh, fifteen. Everybody yeah, know. Yeah, everybody know Mahomes. <laughs> that, that's one right now. Uh, yeah, I, I would think he's a top ten quarterback in the league. I, I don't think like we have to totally like just solely rely on his arm. You know, right, right. you know. But as far as him managing and and making plays, certainly like I'll, I'll take Dak to do that for us. But having him, you know, just just slaying it all around the field, like I don't think like he needs to really really do that. Big Mill, you got anything else? No, nah, man. I sure, hey, man. I, I sure appreciate you coming through and uh, and chatting with us, man. I hope I hope it ain't the last time. And um, I learned some stuff, man. Like I said, I probably I probably will. I'm, I'm looking for mentors. Is already in your field because uh, I want to be in that field. So uh, you probably hear from me sometime soon, man. I hope everybody enjoyed the chat too. Um, that's it, man. That's all I got, Jay. Uh, yeah. Before we go, I want to I want to I'm gonna let you out of here with this last uh, question. Give us, I guess, uh, advice, a mantra, uh, a positive affirmation or something that you use that you think uh, could speak to black men. I guess one of the things that I, that I, that I really use is uh, um, if you don't shoot, you can't score. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you, and, that, and that can be applied to so many different things. Everything. It is, yeah. We can. Hey man, we definitely appreciate your time, man. Yeah, appreciate y'all, man. And uh, definitely, man. There's there's always a standing open invitation for you to come back if you want to. Uh, definitely, man. I definitely appreciate you, man. 